there, listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of E Parbus Una. Today, we're going to talk about an idea that we can take into our week and then into our daily lives to hopefully improve our lives. And I think this one will also improve the lives of the people around us. Whenever we improve ourselves, we improve the lives of people around us when we become kinder and more generous and happier and more thoughtful. Anything that we do to improve our character ultimately also improves the lives of the people around us. But this one is a little bit more, the focus is more inward and on improving ourselves. So there's this story that is taught, well, I was taught it growing up at a Jewish school, but I think it's, I've heard it more than one time, like in camp and also in school. So it's probably taught at schools all over the world. And the story goes that there is a battalion of soldiers and they're in their camp. And one morning they're awakened by an alarm, you know, the the enemy's coming and they're right around the corner. So everyone get up and get ready to go. So everyone, you know, scrambling to get ready. And one guy, he's a Jewish Jewish soldier. He gets up and gets ready with the rest of his group. And then he realizes, oh no, I put my shoes on wrong. So he quickly goes back to his camp or to his tent, and he takes his shoes off, and then he puts them back on the right way. And the right way is first you put on your right shoe, then your left shoe, then you tie your left shoe, and then you tie your right shoe. So he goes back, he does it, you know, it takes an extra 30 seconds, but within that time, all the rest of the soldiers have left, and they've been gunned down. So the lesson of the story, the lesson of the story is to do things the right way. Now, the lesson is not God will protect you if you do everything exactly the right way, because that's not how God works. At least not if we do the things he wants us to do, he will give us rewards. But whether those rewards are in this world or the next world, that's not for us to know or to determine And we certainly can't look at someone who is sick or who's lost a lot of money in their business. Anyone who's having a hard time, we can't look at them and say, oh, they're not worshiping God in the proper way. They're not religious enough. That's not up to us to judge or to determine. So that's not really the message of the story, even though one could take it that way if one wants. Really, the message is to be deliberate with the things that we do and to be conscientious of the actions that we take and not to just do things without thinking because the things, the way we act and the things we do have consequences. Of course, this is a story which I think when we're kids is told is true. Obviously, I shouldn't say obviously. I don't know if it's true or not. Certainly, there are weird coincidences in the world and miracles when things like this happen, so it could be a true story, but the more important part is not whether or not the story is true, but whether or not we can learn something from it. And I think we can, again, that to be deliberate with one's actions has consequences and and to be not deliberate with one's actions also has consequences. This is very relevant to Jews, not being so well-versed in all the other religions of the world. I don't know if it translates exactly, but I think it does. So Judaism has a lot of things that we do very specifically. People are probably somewhat familiar with the idea of kosher, though if you're listening and you're not familiar with kosher, you might think that it has something to do with food being blessed by a rabbi. That's not the case. Um, there are different, when I explain it to friends, there are essentially three levels of kashrut or kosherness. So the first level is things that were in the Bible. So we don't eat meat and dairy products together. There are certain animals 
like pigs that are just not kosher and then certain animals like cows that are. So that's step one. There are some things that just are kosher and some things that are not. Step two is how the food is prepared. So a cow is kosher, but if it's slaughtered incorrectly, then it's no longer kosher. And slaughtering correctly, there's a process and the blade has to be extremely sharp to cause, and the the neck must be cut in a very particular place. It's all done to cause minimal pain and minimal suffering because though God has allowed us to eat animals, he is very, very clear throughout the Torah that we are not to be cruel to them. So that's sort of step two or the next level. And then the final level is the certification. And this is not blessing by a rabbi, but it is oversight and checking by someone who's called a mishkiach. And it's his job to make sure, or her job, to make sure that the the products are like packaged products are prepared meat and dairy aren't mixed together that nothing's in there that isn't supposed to be if you have a package of food especially if you have a water bottle plastic water bottle in front of you right now and if you look by the usually somewhere by the brand name if you see a little circle with a u inside that's actually ou for orthodox union so that's a kosher symbol there are a variety of kosher symbols by different authorities and different organizations that give their stamp of approval, essentially, that something is kosher. So that's kosher in a nutshell. And then there are different levels of, you know, some people will eat OU, some people will eat food that has the OU and then a little D next to it, which means dairy, but some people will not. So then there are even more levels of kosher after that, but that's essentially kosher. Getting back to the main point, though, so Judaism is very specific about what we eat, what we wear, how to put on shoes, as discussed in the story, what times of day to pray, how to pray. I think some other religions, at least Christianity, but maybe also others, it seems like there aren't specific things you say every time you pray. One week you might say this, one day you might say something else. But for for Jews, it's pretty much the same every weekday, and then Shabbat is the same, and then the holidays, you know, every Passover you're saying the same things that you said the last Passover. How to celebrate holidays, we have very specific things to do how much of certain foods you need to eat to make sure that you perform the mitzvah properly. Judaism is very specific, and some of it is from the Torah, and some of it is from later halachic sources, but there are a lot of very particular details about being Jewish. Now, one could see that, and many people do realize that and think that that life is very restrictive, and it is. You know, there's certain things you can wear and certain things you can't, certain things you can eat and certain things you can't. So if you are such a foodie that you must try everything in the world, then kosher is going to be hard because when you go to France, you're not going to be able to eat the escargot or all the seafood. But one could look at those restrictions in another way. And that way is these things in life are already decided for me. I don't have to think about it. So now I can spend my time thinking about important things or focusing on important choices in my life. I thought this when I went to elementary and middle school because we had to wear a uniform and a lot of people didn't like wearing the uniform, but I loved it. First of all, I think I've mentioned before, I was kind of a tomboy growing up, so I wasn't one of those girls who was super into clothes, but also it was so easy. I had two skirts, like five shirts. There was a lot of choice in the morning, so I didn't have to think about it. It, it was just easy. And then when I went to high school, oh my goodness, high school was so hard. I went to a public high school from after going to a private Jewish school my whole life. Suddenly, I had to choose my clothing every day, which when you're 14 and your body's awkward and you've always dressed in the same three colors for school for the last eight years of your life, 
and suddenly the whole world is open up to you, it was really tricky. And I think I finally figured out how to dress myself well about six months ago. <laughs> um, it, it was hard. So I really liked wearing a uniform because it took that choice. It didn't take the choice away. I could still choose between the different colored shirts and skirts, but within Within limits, I had choices, which made it so much easier. And then I could focus on more important things. I wasn't concerned with how I looked when I went to school because we all look pretty much the same. So then we could focus on other things like what do we actually have in common? Do we like similar movies? Do we have activities in common? Can we enjoy each other's company? So I, th- I think there are also studies and I wish that I had thought about it before right now so I could have looked it up, but I was, it just now has come into my mind that if we walk into Target, there can be like 30 different shampoo, maybe like 50 different shampoo and conditioner options. And there are studies that have shown that people actually prefer fewer options. Not one option, because people do have different hair, maybe curly hair, straight hair, or your hair's dyed. So there are different things that people like, but, but there is a number of options at which it's too much and it overwhelms people. And I think that's true in life also. And we're very lucky as Americans because we have so many not just products to choose from, but we have a variety of jobs to choose from because we can basically do whatever we want. If we're choosing colleges, oh my goodness, we have so many colleges to choose from. We can wear, I mean, if you're in a workplace, there might be limits, but pretty much we can wear whatever we want. We can date who we want. We have so much freedom in our lives and it's amazing, but it can also be overwhelming. And I think there's also something beautiful about the, it's not just that all of the specific details in Judaism make it so that we're not overwhelmed by choice because having choice is a beautiful thing. Having freedom and liberty is a beautiful thing. So I would never denigrate that. But I do think that having the details and the rules in place in Jewish life is a reminder for us to think before we act. I think that's really what things allow us to do. For instance, putting on shoes in a certain way. Normally we would just put on our shoes, right? Most of us probably don't think about it. Some days it's one way, some days it's the other. I think we probably fall into habits. So maybe every day we put on the right foot, right shoe first and the left shoe. We're not thinking about it. It just happens. It's an instinct. And what all of the rules in Judaism remind us is that we are humans. And though, of course, as humans, we still have instincts that we follow, we are not blindly subservient to our instincts the way that animals are, that we can actually think about the things we do, we can make deliberate choices, we can do things with a purpose and for a reason. That might not be the particular reason. Every every rule that exists in Judaism, there's a reason for it. We're told to dress modestly as a way to respect the bodies that God gave us. But by choosing to dress modestly ourselves and to live that way, we are saying, I'm making a deliberate choice. I'm not just dressing because of the weather or because of how I feel today, but I'm dressing because this is what God told me to do, and I'm thinking about it, and I'm conscious and aware of it. And I think that whether one is Jewish or not, and whether one has specific rules you know, from Jewish authority or rules that one gives oneself, the idea of living deliberately is really powerful. It gives us so much, even though, again, it feels like control is being taken away because there are all these rules to live by, 
it really actually gives us the power because, well, number one, we can choose whether or not to follow the rules, but we are, it's a really conscious decision to say, I am following these rules and I am eating this kosher food for a particular purpose. Or again, if you're not Jewish, Jewish, so it's not kosher, but I am choosing to eat free range chicken because I believe that chicken should be treated properly because I am against animal cruelty. Or I am choosing to buy stuff that is made in America because I don't support slave labor in other countries. Or I'm choosing to, I mean, those are big things with moral, moral, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not consequences, moral, they're, they're like moral choices, but it can also be anything that you choose to do in your life that you want to make conscious. Oh, like intermittent fasting, which a lot of people are doing these days. That's a very deliberate choice because, you know, sometimes you're out late with your friends or sometimes you want a midnight snack, but by intermittent fasting, you're saying, I am making a choice. I'm not subject to my desires and instincts. Yes, I'm hungry right now, but I don't have to give in to how I feel, or even people who are on any kind of diet, if you limit the number of sweets that you have, or if you're doing keto or whatever your thing is, that's you being deliberate about what you put into your body. And when we make deliberate choices, it's it's just a good feeling. It makes us feel better about ourselves, that we have control over our lives, right? That's what they say about people who have eating disorders, that one of the reasons they have those is because they feel like they've lost control in other places in their lives. And the only place that they have control is in what they eat. But the truth is we have control over so many little things in our lives if we choose to exercise it. If we choose to just do the same thing every day, I always put on my right shoe first. I always, I just wear whatever the weather dictates. But if we choose specific things for ourselves, I will wake up at six six o'clock every morning and I will exercise even though I'm a night person. Or I will choose, I will choose to read before bed instead of using my phone and I'll leave my phone outside of my room. That's inspired by Adam Carolla. He says that he leaves his phone outside of his room and doesn't touch it until he gets up in the morning. So that's a deliberate choice. And I just think it's important to to think before we act. That's what all this is. This is all about thinking before we act, which is something we're told as kids. But I think it's important for us to know that that doesn't just mean with big actions, big moral actions, am I doing the right thing or not? But it can even be with small things like putting on your shoes. Just take the moment to think because we are humans and we have the ability to think and we shouldn't squander it. Just to tag on a little bit here, that of course, the same idea, think before we act, we know that we should also think before we speak. That is something we probably don't do nearly as often as we should. And in fact, maybe think before we text or type, think before we tweet. It's all connected. We think before we do something because we are humans and we have the capability of thinking first and acting and acting includes speaking and tweeting and typing after. And I've seen this a lot recently. I don't know where it comes from. I wish I could attribute it properly. But this idea that before we speak, we should ask first, is it true? Is it kind? And is it necessary? And if what we need to say falls into all of those categories, then it's something worth saying. But if it doesn't, and you know, not like, oh, I would like to have pizza for dinner. But when we're talking about someone or about, especially when we're talking about someone or about an idea, is it true? Is it kind? And is it necessary? And if something doesn't fit all those categories, think a second time before sharing it. Anyway, I think that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening to E Pluribus Unum. I hope today's episode made you think or brought some clarity and positivity to your day. Subscribe to the show to always get the most recent episode directly to your device. 
Please leave a rating and a review and share the show with your family, friends, or anyone you think might benefit from a little Torah wisdom and conservative thoughts. For more of my thoughts and ideas I share from others, please follow me on Instagram at conservativejewishfemale or read my blog conservativejewishfemale.blogspot.com. The intro outro music is Chopin's Waterfall Etude. Have a great day.